today on the Sound Iron Podcast, we have a smorgasbord episode. We're going to talk about <laughs> judging a competition. We're going to talk about singing while playing. We're going to talk about uh, dead hang, some exercise stuff, some, some bonus fitness content. We're oh. going to talk about some libraries we've got coming out. We're going to talk about drum sounds. We're going to talk about Brad Pitt and Pink Floyd and a 30-day challenge. Craig, are you ready? Uh, you had me at Brad Pitt, man. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> That's all we we can start there. Okay, so Brad Pitt bought a studio in France, a recording studio. I saw this. Okay, nice. You're, you might be ahead of me. You might know more about this then. Uh, all I know is it looks like a spaceship. That's all I know. It's absolutely insane. So it's called yeah. Miravel Studios. It was founded by a jazz pianist in 1977. It got shut down in 2005. And then him and Angelina bought it somewhere between 2009 and 2011. And, uh, you know, they separated. So mm -hmm. her sh she sold her shares of the property. It's 2,200 acres. This massive estate it has a winery, wow. it has this massive garden, and it has like guest suites. And you can also record music there and many bands and artists have so we've had pink floyd they recorded the wall there acdc the cranberries muse wham and more just a crazy amount of artists and mr pitt has been sitting on the studio for roughly the last 10 11 years not doing anything with it but they just opened it this year mm -hmm. and so if you want to book a session and you can afford it, you can go stay at the estate. You can have meals cooked for you that were grown on the property. You can drink the wine that was made on the property in France. You can then record your session at the auditorium or in the, the tracking room. And uh, who knows, maybe Brad Pitt is the one recording you. I don't know how good of an engineer he is, but it's pretty wild. And the pictures are absolutely insane. Yeah, if you have a few million dollars that you can spare to go <laughs> record it. <laughs> <laughs> so I, checked, just, I yeah. checked out their website and it was like, you want to score a film here? Uh, contact us. So I was like, I, I mean, I could put a bid in and see what they say. They're like, Brad Pitt's like, first off, let me see what you got. Let me pull out your wallet. <laughs> see how much money you got. Nope. I don't know. Let's see uh, who you are on the internet. So that's your first just celebrity gossip piece of the podcast it's definitely worth checking out the pictures the control room is amazing yeah it's yeah it looks wild I, I was watching a little bit of an interview where he was talking about the the guy who's i guess he's like the main engineer he's like a young guy and he helped basically design a lot of it right yeah yeah he's a french uh producer and dj and i should have wrote his name down but i didn't Damien, I think is his first name. But that brings us to being a winner and winning. We, yeah, hashtag winning. <laughs> and we just finished up a Halloween contest where you submit your composition that you scored to a video. And I wanted to talk about judging the competition and as a contestant, how to win. So oh. we had... Uh, over 120 entries into this contest. So I got to watch this video way too many times, had horrible nightmares. Just kidding. <laughs> but uh, basically, if you get into the mind of the judge, you have a better shot of winning. So 
I wanted to talk about things that I noticed about the best entries as mm-hmm. a whole and maybe see if you have anything that you can add to that. But the, the first one is overall loudness. Oh, gotta, yeah. Got to make sure your track is loud because some of these tracks were beautiful. But when I was comparing them, like I would click on them and they were like 10 decibels too low. Yeah, you definitely, and and this comes into, you know, just how music is perceived these days. I mean, there are people who aren't necessarily trying to play the loudness wars and that's, and that's fine, you know, cause they're like, we'll just turn the volume up on, on your, uh, you know, car stereo or whatever. Yeah. On your interface. Yeah. But, you know, for something like this, you definitely have to have that competitive edge in the sense of who you're playing this for and also just like what people expect. Right. Well, it doesn't have to be the loudest entry. That's not the game. Yeah, Yeah. if it's too loud, then it's like, whoa. Yeah, everything's distorted and clipping. Yeah. But it does have to be comparably loud to other entries because Mm -hmm. we're going through these looking for things to eliminate. And one of them is like, wow, this is really quiet track all the way through. Another one that is definitely helps with success is left turns in the music. So going from something to a hard left turn like a pivot mm-hmm. to a, a new style of music, a new genre or new instrumentation, something that basically pulls your ear so that it sound, doesn't sound like loops because mm-hmm. the moment that you get into a four bar loop where you know what's coming next and you've heard it, your brain just shuts off as a judge. Yeah. It, I, I noticed there was a few of those where it would just kind of, it, it was very interesting to see some of the different, um, interpretations or or different things that people tried. Yeah, I think I think there are people who want to do stuff that's kind of like maybe completely opposite of what you would think because oh, it's yeah. very easy to be like, oh, like everyone's probably going to do this. Uh-huh. I'm going to throw in like 80s dance music or like you know or something like that, which is, is interesting because like some people just see it a different way, like oh, like you know this this feels like a like a 80s TV show intro or something. So maybe they want to go a little like stranger things with it or or something like that. Right. Right. But yeah, when it's just like you're you're in a, a certain mood and then it's like, you know, I don't know, it's like Matrix music or something. You're like, whoa, like, like, oh, um, that's kind of like like I liked it. I mean, because it was a scoring challenge. Uh-huh. So, you know, when you see certain things happen on screen and you're trying to make the music like guide you along in that way, or like when you know, especially when it go from like these like morphing hands to these more like morphing faces to these like men on horses. And then it kind of changes the feel like segueing in the, through those clips, like the people that, you know, the winners like did a good job of really flowing into those other scenes, even though a lot of it is very, you know, you know just like gradually just morphing through all these different images. There is definitely points that could be hit. And, Agreed. Yeah. That was my next point is what's on screen uh, with a question mark what's on screen like i'm watching something on the screen and i want to hear something that matches it like the music feels synchronized to what's happening on screen so we had several people do horse noises as the horse mm-hmm. came in which was really good we had several people do wolf howls at the end when the red moon was happening which i liked a lot mm-hmm. lots of human noises uh whispers pain noises that that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. um all really made you feel like you were experiencing it yeah yeah, vividly for me i really like left turns in the music if you can pull it off 
there are movies that like make that work and genres that make that work where it goes from one style to a completely different style. Like it just yanks your ear. Uh, but it just has mm-hmm. to make sense with what's on screen. And that's the whole mm-hmm. thing about being a film composer is it's a pragmatic art. It's not just, I, I'm, I do whatever I want. Yeah. Like, I, like out of nowhere, I just want to, you know what? I feel like doing some, uh, I don't know, hip hop or something where Go, it's like, yeah. Like if you, if you like do reggae, it's like, you're going to have a hard time selling me that this reggae works here. Yeah. I mean, cause I mean, there are times where, you know, there's like, you know, directors who have done stuff where it'll be like this, like slow motion war scene and they're playing this, like, you know, romantic music or something really slow or it's like, or, you know, a bunch of people are shooting each other and you're hearing like opera in the background. And it's very like that, that that's doing something different in a, in a way that it's kind of surprisingly works like in, in certain cases. Yeah. But yeah, if you're just like doing like dark eerie tension music and then yeah, going into reggae, like, I mean, I don't know, maybe it probably still could work, I guess, depending. It could work if you did like a slow, like a slowed down, creepy pitched, weird effect kind of thing. But a similar idea is Tarantino, Django, unchained when they do rap music during the shootout and it's a western movie and they have this rap going on Mm -hmm. yeah like pretty much tarantino is like one of the first directors that popped in my head especially if you you know seen like reservoir dogs were stuck in the middle with you and the dude's just like cutting his ear off like okay yeah that's pretty cool graphic yeah and then the last thing is a clean intro and outro so i actually spent a lot of time thinking about how to introduce whatever the track is and how to exit the track. And I think all three of the winners for second and third place, I think they all had really nice introductions and outros. Yeah. And it, it's funny, like having like a, a big buildup and a boom at the end with a nice reverb tail and fade versus just running a drum loop and just like slow fading that out. Or some sometimes just like not having a fade at all and just like eh, that's the end of the track where it just yeah, ends it on like YouTube. Like a hard cut. Yeah. yeah, stuff like that where you can tell maybe we weren't thinking about the end too much. Yeah, I mean it's definitely uh, something to think about. I mean because I think for anyone who who's actually scoring stuff for a living or or trying to practice to stuff like it help it helps to just kind of like get a feel for stuff like you know just watching it because i think some people might just like jump in like all right like i saw it once all right let's go but like really thinking about that sort of thing like beginning middle and end like um do we want to talk about the the winner's names yeah i just pulled up third place so third place is gregory Pera, and uh this was a really nice video i have a few notes here so third place The cello sounds big and real. That's one of the first things you hear at the beginning. The Mm -hmm. human noises are scary. You have a jump scare effect sound when you first see a face. So it's like morphing hands and then the face hits. And you can tell that the the dude was working to picture because Mm -hmm. he put that as a point where he really wants you to kind of take notice, startle Mm -hmm. you. And then the drums take you on a journey as the piece develops. So when the drums come in, they're like really wide stereo sounding great. And they are just chugging you along almost like you got on a train and you're just cruising toward the end. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I really, I really like the solo cello in the beginning too, with just that little kind of looped piano melody Mm -hmm. going on. I thought that was, I thought that sounded really cool. And like, 
it, it it helps set the tone in a way that's not just like kind of like really like ponticello strings and like water harps and you know stuff like that but like or the more like just like effecty pads just for creepiness like it, it was like still had a haunting and dark feel but even though it was like using more musical elements which i thought was cool yeah um yeah i, lo- I also like the use of sound design and like the sort of like male tortured sounds in the back every i know i, I hear that i'm like oh there's mike <laughs> uh, <laughs> like you yeah. could just like you could you could hear the all the those types of like sick sounds and uh i also really like the that kind of like uh the haunting sort of vocals that they used like around the middle yeah like that that's the kind of stuff like i would probably do too you know like i always feel like there there's something haunting it i i think it was maybe female vocals or or some kind of like children's choir or something but you know those types of things will always kind of there's i don't know why there's something about like there's maybe it's just like the use of like the melody Hmm. how it has this very kind of you know haunting sound but yeah something about that kind of stuff like definitely gives it that kind of ghostly haunting vibe great track nice work gregory and then for the second runner-up is Alan Gray. And yeah, I, I I really liked his track too. Um, kind of going back to what we were saying, just production-wise, you know, a lot of like you'll one thing you'll notice with with some of these winners is you know the productions are really good, which is one of the the criteria that we were looking for. Yeah, just the overall mix. Yeah, you know, just having a, a good sounding production. And um mm-hmm. one of the things I thought really stood out about about Alan's track was the, these kind of like you know, vocal whispers that were kind of throughout it. And it just like, I don't, I'm not sure what language, I don't know. It sounded like it might've been like, like Norwegian or his description or, says the whispers and vocals are fantasy words with no meaning in a fictitious oh, okay. language. Oh, okay. Well, that definitely helped with the creepiness, especially if there's no, like anything, it just, yeah, it just sounded really kind of, I don't know, just had this like really creepy feel. And, and I really liked how, how it went with the music you know, they did a great job of like utilizing the orchestra in a dark way yeah. you know, without trying to do too much. I think like for some of the people that did do orchestral stuff, some some of it just didn't fit. It almost felt like more like a little adventurous kind of. Okay. Like it didn't really like fit too well. But I think for the minimalism or, you know, the minimalistic approach that they did with the orchestral stuff and, and it just having that dark vibe, it fit, fit really well. But yeah, I thought the... The, the creepy vocal whispers were a, a a nice touch. Yeah, and her she almost sounds like she's saying something about eyes, like like look at the eyes. Hmm. Very creepy. Yeah. I wrote down right off the rip. You hear crazy sounds. So uh, he started working as the bumper was going, mm-hmm. and you you automatically start hearing things that don't belong, and then the whispers kick in. You got these big bells. Uh, the, the mix was just overall solid. And then you got the horse effects that we talked about mm-hmm. and the wolf howl on the moon. And those were mixed well where they weren't like overbearing and obnoxious. And like, yeah, I thought it was a great track. Yeah. Yeah. Overall, really good job. Killer. I never want to watch this video again. So the first place winner of the Sound Iron Creator Challenge Halloween edition is Luca Tomasini, a.k.a. Jontum. Mm-hmm. And this dude had a incredibly scary track. Uh, I've got giant stabs, building tension, but also leave space to breathe. Mm-hmm. And it was just well executed, solid mix. Uh, it gets quiet, it gets loud, and the instrumentation was interesting. Uh, what do you think about it? 
Yeah, I, I think uh, going back to what I was meant or what we were talking about earlier about the thinking about the beginning and the end, like th- like this one did a really good job of having like these like three different sections, like and they all sounded different. It wasn't a lot of like the the you know like a drone kind of going throughout and just having like other little elements creep in every now and again. Like it really had like a beginning, middle, and end, and and they all really fit the the scenes and they faded really well into each other like you know it starts off very a little bit more what you'd expect with the visuals and then you know that that middle section where it, it you know it has this like really like low menacing like burn, burn, like where i was like i thought that was really cool and a nice change up so it's you know three different levels like it started off you know very not not super quiet but then like kind of built up in the middle and then died kind of died off and a little a little bit more uh, sparse towards the end which i thought was really fitting yeah and yeah and they just uh, did a really good job production wise was great you know their their ability to go weave in and out of of different uh visuals and bring in new elements without just kind of you know sounding redundant or anything like that i think they did a really good job and yeah it, it was really great first place very nice Nice job, Luca. So going back to judging the competition, if you think about getting into the mind of the judge and also the mind of the other contestants, that's kind of the meta game of a competition. And it's always like why Battle of the Bands is like not the best way to judge art, right? Because everyone's Mm -hmm. got their own subjective taste, both the judges and the contestants. And everyone who entered did a great job and has a something that they can use on their portfolio and part of their demo reel which is awesome yeah yeah i i think it was um really cool I, you know we appreciate everyone who entered uh we're, we're definitely going to be doing more of these and it's, it's just a a fun way to 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 see people's creativity you know and being able to you know engage with the community and you know it's always it's always fun contests you know who doesn't like a, a nice fun contest I think with the getting in the mind of the judges, like like I think there might be some people who who play into that too much. Like I definitely sure. feel you should you should always kind of um kind of go with your with your gut. I mean, if you know, it's like that thing where like if you make music for someone, thinking like oh they're gonna like it because I'm trying to do everything that they like, yeah. you end up kind of hurting yourself in the end. Like I, I definitely think one one thing for sure, people should always definitely uh, consider production, especially with anything audio related sound mixing like that is definitely uh an important thing nowadays like audio is everything especially with like you know doing this kind of thing so for me my when i first watched this video silent my first reaction is okay violin tremolos and then the second time through it i'm thinking to myself literally everyone watching this is thinking violin tremolos and the judges are expecting violin tremolos so maybe don't use violin tremolos and that's the kind of game that I'm talking about is oh yeah is like if everyone's doing it then your track is not different and not unique and it won't be set apart and it won't pull their ear because you do have to pull their pull the judge's ear in some way in order to win but it doesn't have to be like a hard yank you can just mm-hmm. have a great mix and have something interesting going on yeah. But but there is like a, a meta game that exists in a competition that doesn't exist in when you're actually scoring something for a job. Yeah. Next time, whoever enters the contest and just uses flatulence for the entire thing, you wow. already win in my book. 
<laughs> only in so, Craig's book, though, and he's only yeah. like one fifth of the vote. So you 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 lose in my book. No, I will convince everybody that they should win. <laughs> You're gonna evangelize. Yes, I'm just gonna be like, look, man, they did something no one else did. They used farts for the entire thing, and I think they should have all of our products. <laughs> <laughs> Omega bundle for you, sir. But yeah, um, please don't do that though, because then we're just gonna have to listen to you know. X amount of entries with uh, our farts. Yeah, don't don't listen to Craig. Yeah, I have horrible advice. Do not listen to me. <laughs> um, so I think that's it on judging a competition. Uh, you kind of want you do want to compose with your gut, but you also and your your first instincts. Your first instincts are typically at least partially your best instincts. Yeah, be aware that there's going to be other people probably doing things that you think right away. But that that's why it's good to really kind of internalize the footage and try to bring something unique. Another thing that you can do with a competition is use temp music. And so you could plug in some Danny Elfman or some Stravinsky or something into the video and start watching it with that. If you want to pull your ear in a certain way. That's yeah, that's always a a good, a good thing to do. Okay. So the next thing I wanted to talk about is the Rick Beato, Thomas Newman interview. And this is probably going to be short, but I did finish it. And Thomas Newman is a all time legend, all time great. Um, But my biggest takeaway from the whole interview is you need to have talented friends play on your scores (laughs) because this dude, this dude has had friends like a percussionist, I think his name was Mike, but a percussionist that he has known for over 40 years who has been playing on pretty much every score he has. And if you listen to to Thomas Newman, you know how much percussion this dude has in his scores, tune percussion, uh, drums, etc. Mm-hmm. And a lot of this stuff is improvised. And a lot of it is the percussionist bringing a new instrument or a new sound to you and saying, hey, dude, I just sent you this voice memo of this crazy new thing I found and I bought two of them. You want to put it on finding Nemo? Like, yeah. Thomas Newman's like, yes, I would love that. So he has uh, like wind players, flute players, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And these, these people are long-term relationships who he calls over and over again and says, Hey, I need this sound. Hey, I need the sound. And you see the same thing with Zimmer. He has Mm -hmm. these people he works with over and over again. But if you can, basically develop good working relationships with very skilled players, your scores will be a lot better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's always nice when, when you have those types of people, you can just hit up. Like if you're not a amazing, you know, saxophone player, but you know, a guy, I know a guy, you know, a guy who plays the sax comes down because that, because it's like, yeah, you know, there's a lot of, you know, virtual instruments and stuff, but you know, it's like when you're, really wanting to make your score or, or music authentic, like having a real player. And it's always fun. It's always fun to like collaborate and actually be mm-hmm. able to, you know, work with other musicians, record them in the studio. Hey, do a few different takes. Like I, I think there's um, a lot of really good things that come with that. Well, it's happy accidents, right? Mm-hmm. Or yeah. Or also, yeah, they, they bust out something you weren't even thinking like, whoa, 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 whoa hold on. Yeah. And I, and Jason Graves, we talked about that too, with his players, like a lot of the times they'll be like, yeah, just improvise a few licks on here and see if anything strikes you and they'll, they'll send some stuff in that ends up getting used. Mm -hmm. Oh, and that leads me to my next point, which is I watched a John Mayer 
like Instagram live. And mm. he was just sitting there with his guitar, hanging out with thousands of fans. And he was playing his guitar, but first he would sing the line. So he would sing, and then he would play that on his guitar. And so what he was, he was basically giving a guitar, a guitar lesson and mm-hmm. saying, when you're playing your instrument, you want to inner hear what you want to perform before playing it. And mm-hmm. you're basically using the instrument as an extension of your brain and body instead of playing like a typewriter or like a computer keyboard where you're just like, uh, type, 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 clickety clack. And it's very mm-hmm. robotic. If you want like a more expressive phrase or solo, you can actually be singing it. And a lot of pianists, jazz pianists do that too, like Art Tatum, several others where uh, Jacob Collier likes to sing lines that he's playing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's because they're hearing it, like they're intonating it in their brain many times before actually performing it with their fingers. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I I think with, with improvisation, that type of stuff is if you have that ability, good for you. (laughs) Like that's like, like something I used to try practicing. I'm not, I'm not that great at it. I kind of more or less like, you know, would have certain things that I do and like, by experimenting, improvising over stuff, you kind of start to like find little things that work, right? You know, like little little licks and stuff. But then trying to kind of like morph around it, so you're not just kind of playing the same thing all the time. But that's a really good skill. Like I've always heard people say, you know, like, oh, you should like sing the notes when you practice. You know, like playing scales and stuff. Because yeah. being able to like know where that stuff is versus just kind of like, oh, I'm just going to go off and just do all this. You know, what I think hope might work, might not hope work for the best. Yeah. Yeah, like especially with like guitar solos and melodies, because it's like you think of it like a singer almost. You know, mm-hmm. I, like Steve I even like with his vibrato would try to, you know, always have this very like singer vibrato quality with his guitar playing. And yeah, just being able to have that connection with the music. I, I think you you have a, a little bit more of like a connection with, with the instrument, like like you were saying. It's a skill that I have, but I could definitely improve on it. And it just takes practice. I I was friends with a drummer who always said he wanted to sing or like beatbox the beat. And anything that he could beatbox, he could play on the drums. Mm -hmm. And it's a similar idea. If you can oralize it, basically, like Mm -hmm. analyze it in your brain beforehand, it makes it much easier. And I don't know about you, but I've... I've had similar experiences with music where I watch somebody perform something on guitar or piano. And I'm like, I didn't even know that was possible. Like, I didn't Mm -hmm. know you could do that. And it kind of opens up a whole new branch or avenue of how to play and takes you down like a new rabbit hole. Yeah. I, I, that's how I felt when I started seeing guys like, what's his name? Andy McKee. Yep. Like he was one of those like what like it sounds like there's like a drummer playing and then like like two or three different guitar players playing at the same time just like, boom, 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 boom. like and there's definitely so many more people now that do that but he was the first guy that I saw playing like that and I was just like wow I never even would have thought about playing guitar guitar that way but it, yeah you know it, it makes me think of I remember Steve I said this like he used to close his eyes and imagine that he was playing all these like crazy things and his hands were flying this way and this way and it's like yeah if you can't imagine it, it's kind of hard to pull that off because you just it's not even real you know real in your mind so how are you going to make it real in in person you know? yeah it's, it's not like, it's not in your your rolodex of options like possibilities yeah. 
yeah or when you see like amazing like piano players doing all this like crazy stuff like sometimes i don't even know how people play that fast <laughs> where it's just yeah. like you know or like guitar players like sean lane like he has you know relatively small hands but yet he's doing these like like two whole step stretches between his fingers and just like 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 i can't even sing that fast how he plays so it's like just shredding it's just like yeah certain people are just built for certain things and and that's cool that's what makes makes things fun and also certain people yeah. have dedication to sit there for hours yeah i don't have that time do. anymore i used to yeah those the the good old the good old days when you used to just to sit and you know play for hours and not have anything to do except just sit there for hours and play guitar or, or whatever but yeah get that stuff out of the way when you're young people because <laughs> there's gonna be a time where you don't have any time yep get those chops in mm-hmm. uh speaking of chops we want we just released knockout drums mm-hmm. and pretty recently and i wanted you to talk about knockout drums from a uh metal guitarist perspective and how you metal. have you have a new tool to use at your disposal that you really like the sound of. Yeah. So, so for those of you that probably don't know, I've, I've personally worked with Zach probably over the last 10 years uh, on bands that I've been a part of. Like the, I've actually recorded with him the, the second archaic record that I did. We recorded at castle ultimate studios, which was right down the hall from shark bite shark bite. Yeah. And he's just got such a killer ear. Like, when the first band that I was in Archaic got signed to this label called Unique Leader, like there was so many bands that we listened to that have recorded with him. And we would just be like, man, if we could just record there, like, you know, our album would sound badass. But, you know, so once we finally got the opportunity to work with him, he's just like such a professional, like really has such a great ear for for guitar tones just tones in general and he like he doesn't know you know it's funny i think i heard recently that orin actually means ear i don't know if i think so i think that's funny that he's even like a mixing and recording guy because he has such a killer ear he was born Um, for it yeah and uh and naveen i've i've known of him over the years i remember seeing him playing in animosity like years back like i wasn't even I don't even think I was in a band at that point, but I remember seeing him. He's like this young skinny kid, just like destroying the drums. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember talking to him and he was like, yeah, I got this project called flesh rot. And it's like all him. Like he also plays guitar too. And he plays a guitar in Antheos, which is the band he's in now. So it's like, I remember uh, seeing a video of Naveen playing in shark bite. It was like, you know, recording drums or playing drums in a huge room. It, uh, and that was it, you know, it's shark bite. And I just remember thinking like, oh, my God, these drums sound amazing. And I just hit up Zach and I'm like, bro, we doing this or what? (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, you know, me personally, I've always wanted to have his his sound. You're stealing his drum tone. Yeah. So it's like we got Naveen's awesome, you know, star classic, Babinga kit, a bunch of beautiful minor symbols, seven different snares. snares. Like, yeah, because. One of the things I've always seen people with Naveen is like, man, that snare. I want that snare sound. What do you what do you use for your snare? You know, so it's like having his sound with, you know, being recorded by Zach because they've worked together for years. Like, I mm-hmm. think one of the well, Zach actually recorded Animosity's first record. Oh, OK. So so that, you know, they go back like all the way there, you know, back then. And yeah, it, it was just like something I've always wanted. And I was just like, man, like, you know, in, in the presets, like literally sound like mix ready. Like 
I like, you know, like some people say like, oh, they're, you know, mixed ready. Like these genuinely are like I worked uh, on a track and I used them. I literally did nothing. And I was like, <laughs> these sound better than like anything I've ever used. And nice. yeah, and it's just it, it's awesome to work, work with with those guys in a in a different way from, you know, because I did five records with Zach. Uh, he's also mixed and mastered my um, solo record that I that I put out a few years back and you know, also Deeds of Flesh, just more death metal stuff. And yeah, so it's just being able to have that sound anywhere I go now. It's like, oh, it's and it's it's like no one likes to mess around with, you know, mixing. Some people do like, but <laughs> at the end of the day, like you want to just make music and, yeah. and be stoked on the sounds. And I'm just like so happy with how everything turned out. It really turned out awesome. Yeah, I pulled up the big boy NKI preset and just chilled. That was it. That was it for me. Yeah. Very nice. Knockout drums available everywhere. And then the newest library we have is called Core Micro. And Mm -hmm. the way that I describe it to people is it's a sampler platter of a variety of our instruments. It has dozens of our products, but just like a little taste of each. So mm-hmm. you can get a little taste of alpha organ, traveler organ, solo vocals. There's choirs. There's orchestral brass. stuff. You got brass. yeah, you got Hyperion brass and strings. It's not the full shebang of each product, but it's just a little taste of it. So you can buy Core Micro. You've got like a a nice toolkit, a nice palette of sounds to use, and then you can kind of go deeper down the rabbit hole of, wow, alpha organ sounds incredible because it does. And you can go get alpha organ if you need the fully expanded version. Yeah, it's, I think it's really nice to be able to have all those colors in one box because just, you know, being able to reach for something like, oh, I want to go to this category. Let's go to orchestral. Like, I just want some, you know, some some brass sustains to just fill this part out real quick. All right, boom, it's already there. Or I want to put like a vocal here or like stuff from like a or more tuned percussion type things or like a big Tom hit or something like just being able to have that stuff right there and readily available is really, really cool. And it's pink. Yeah. What's not to love I mean, about pink. It's like, I really like the solo instruments, like the Bamblong and the music mm-hmm. box and the little tuned percussion, like and vibraphones and circle bells, all that stuff is in there and you can really layer stuff together easily. Yeah. And there's a bunch of cool snapshots too. So you can just kind of like dive in and explore those and, and hear how, you know, we like use the different layers and have stuff, you know, just combined to just kind of, cause like there's some really, really cool ones where there's like choirs and then like the more sound design ambiences together. And it just sounds like super like otherworldly and ethereal. And it's just like, Ooh, like, you know, super like inspiration starters. Yeah. Track starters. Yeah, exactly. All right, changing gears here. Uh, do you know what a dead hang is? Uh, no. That's fine. You don't need to. Is know, it like? Is it like? Is it like American Ninja Warrior where you're just like holding on by your fingertips or something? Basically, yeah. So you do know what it is. So, oh, okay. uh, dead hang is basically like you're in pull up position, but you just hang there. And Peter Atia is a uh, kind of health guru. He does the Drive podcast. And he talks about like his clinic where he brings people to exercise and like test their health and all this. Uh, One of the tests is a dead hang and you should be able to dead hang for at least a minute or 90 seconds and just hang there from the bar and and, uh, not fall off because 
grip strength is one of the most important indicators of overall health. Hmm. And people think like, oh, your your arms give out or your shoulders give out or whatever, but it's actually your grip, your 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 finger grips is what slips and that it just mm-hmm. burns. So I've been doing dead hangs, quite a bit of dead hangs, and the YouTube rabbit hole has now led me to climbers, like rock climbers. Mm. And I'm watching these guys do one-handed hangs and finger hangs. So they'll take like two fingers and they'll their whole body is hanging from two fingers for like six seconds. That's crazy. And it is absolutely wild, man. And so I'm watching these guys and they will do like 10 seconds of hanging from their fingers and then they'll do a 50 second rest and they'll just repeat that. And basically your tendons get stronger from the stimulus that you're giving them. So it really increases your overall grip strength and your fast twitch. And it's really good for your overall health. So I've been slowly kind of implementing this. I have a pull-up bar in the other room and I just try to do dead hangs. I'm doing some pull-ups too, but mostly dead hangs, one-handed hangs, which are so hard and they make it look so easy. But I challenge you to do some dead hangs. Uh, I got to lose some weight first if I'm going to be trying that. <laughs> no, you can, my, do like, my, you can do like my, 20 my, seconds of dead hangs for sure right now. Yeah. Yeah. My, my pull-up game is weak. Yeah, like, well, they, I, I I used to be better at that. I used to actually be able to do one arm pull ups. Oh, nice. But yeah, not not anymore because I, I get work. Um, we used to have these like racks. So yeah. like when work would slow down, we'd go over to the racks and just do pull ups or or do like kind of like the one arm ones. And um, yeah, it's yeah, if you can do that, uh, my my hand strength over the years has like it's weird. Like like playing instruments is one thing, but like grip strength, like it. I think because I think I might have some kind of like borderline like carpal tunnel or something it's something mm. i've dealt with over the years especially yeah. in my in my right hand if i if i do anything like the other day um we have one of those uh, century bobs those century big bobs. big rubber dudes that you just wail on oh yeah okay yeah, and and I, I i hit it with a couple right hooks and i like tweaked to my wrist so i was like i got to be careful with that kind of stuff because my... <laughs> you're not as young as you used to be not as young as i used to be uh well you should yeah you should try the dead hang it's really good for your your spine and mm-hmm. your shoulders and your posture and all that stuff. Yeah. Also, you know, it's a good thing that a lot of people don't do those. Um, I forget what muscle group it's called. It's like next to like the rhomboids in your back. Oh, so rotator, like, rotator cuff. Oh, that's yeah. A, for, uh, since we're talking about fitness stuff, that's something that a lot of people don't do. And it's actually like one of those things that is commonly injured in, in sports. Yeah. Because yeah. like a lot of people don't, they, they, they do too much like bench press and their shoulders go forward. But then they're not doing, you know, like kind of like uh, like one of the things I, I try to do whenever I go to the gym is doing more like rear delt workouts or like seated back rows, mm-hmm. you know, because like that will really help with your posture too. just like not always just leaning forward or doing like forward pushing. You got to get those pulls in. Yep. Or else you are walking around all hunched over like so. Well, and that's part of like the phone culture too, is like a lot of people are slipping discs and having trouble with their neck. And it's just like from looking down. <laughs> at the yeah. Screen. And their thumbs are all jacked. And just, <laughs> just typing like, like a crazy person. Exactly. So that's the dead hang story. You should try it. You should time yourself, see how long you can get. And that brings me to my last part of this podcast, which is Austin Cleon's 30 day challenge. So he says something small every day can turn into something big. And he's got a calendar with all 30 days on it. 
And every day that you complete whatever it is, you just put a big X on that day. Hmm. And he stole this from Mr. Jerry Seinfeld. Uh, Seinfeld said that he writes a joke every single day. And uh, he's got a quote here. Can you do it in a Jerry Seinfeld voice? I will not do that for you. He said, he said, you break your work, you break your work into daily chunks. Each day when you're finished with your work, make a big fat X in the day's box. Every day, instead of just getting work done, your goal is to fill the box. After a few days, you'll have a chain of X's. Just keep at it and the chain will grow longer every day. You'll enjoy seeing that chain, especially when you get a few weeks under your belt. Your only job next is to not break the chain. Okay, so I'm considering the things that I want to do. And I think one of them is going to be dead hang and try to do just like improve my dead hang time. Nice. Yeah, that's that's a that's a good way of thinking about it. Don't break the chain. <laughs> that was good. That was really good. Come on, Elaine. <laughs> uh, so yeah. he's got the calendar and then on the top it says practice. And then on the bottom, it says suck less. And you just repeat that cycle. Practice, suck less. After 30 days, you will suck less. Hopefully. Yeah. It's not It's not practice makes perfect. It's perfect practice makes perfect. <laughs> uh, another way to think about it, to get good at something, you first have to be willing to be bad. So don't practice to get good. Practice to suck less. That That's great advice. <laughs> that's really all you can do, you know? Got to be like Tony Robbins. Got to be better tomorrow than you were yesterday. <laughs> so practice scoring these competitions to suck less. Yeah. Just be like Nike, man. Just do it. Nice. Do or it. Uh, Shia LaBeouf. Oh, yeah. Just do it. <laughs> uh, okay. So that, that takes us to the recommendations section. And I think my recommendations are the Peter Atia Drive podcast. The Rick Beato Thomas Newman interview on YouTube. And what's one more thing that I can offer you today? I'm supposed to watch Peripheral, the Peripheral on Amazon Prime. So uh, it's a oh, new yeah. show they've been advertising to me. And it's supposed to be like Blade Runner 2049, uh, sci-fi style, like, like futuristic sort of futuristic mystery kind of stuff. So I'm probably going to check that out. Nice. How about you? Um, I'm not going to recommend dead hangs cause I can't even do that. So I'll leave that. I'll leave that to you. Um, I've been watching a few shows. There is this one called I am a stalker on oh Netflix. Okay. It's pretty interesting. It, it's crazy. To, What's the music to, like? You know, it's like what you'd expect. Very, you know, dramatic tension. Got it. Also started watching something today called killer Sally. Okay. And it's it's about this uh, bodybuilder lady who like killed her husband who was a bodybuilder. Just started it. Oh no. Started it this morning and I'm very interested to see where it goes. They're like, "Oh, so you watch stuff about stalkers and murderers. That's great." <laughs> Netflix knows just what you like. Yeah. Well, you mentioned Thomas Newman. Maybe I'll watch Finding Nemo just to, you know. Dude, that score is incredible. Yeah. Okay, I think that covers everything. The contest winners, uh, by this time, hopefully you've contacted us or we've contacted you for your reward. We did it all. Yeah. And also I recommend check out Knockout Drums. Check out Knockout Drums. Because it is a killer drum library. Like, it's my my favorite. And I'm not being biased. 
Yeah, if you need some realistic drum sounds for any genre with aggressive drums, it doesn't even have to be like violently aggressive. Like I would use it for pop. I would use it for rock, any sort of alt rock indie stuff. uh, It's perfect for that. And then you can also take it to the more intense levels of metal, death metal, symphonic yeah, all that stuff. It's like the it's like you have you know from super soft, super dynamic, and all the way to triple F, man. So it's like it, it is a hard hitting drum library, but it's that and everywhere in between, and works for a variety of styles. Whether you're doing like ska or you know reggae. death metal or or yeah, a little reggae. You know, you want to throw in throw in some reggae on the scoring competition video. <laughs> use knockout drums. Come on, bring it bring it back around. Yeah, full circle. All right. I think that concludes our episode. We will bring you more hard-hitting content just like this in coming weeks. Boom, boom, boom. Just hammering the content. (laughs) Smash that subscribe button. Craig, I'll catch you next week, my friend. Nathan, I will see you next time if uh, if I feel like it. We'll see. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. I will see you next time. (laughs) I'll appreciate you showing up. I won't leave you hanging like that. Peace. Adios.